and thank you, band, and Sandra for praying. Um, keep your Bibles open. It's going to be over here, too. So we've been going through Philippians and this series that we're calling Our Joy in God's Glory. Our Joy in God's Glory. And what we're really trying, looking to see here um, is how really Paul is encouraging. He's encouraging them from under house arrest in Rome. He's going to see um, the emperor, Emperor Nero, and stand before him on trial. But he's writing to this church because he's heard about them. He's heard about what's going on, and he wants to encourage them. He wants to remind them of the truth of the gospel. And the letter of the Philippians is all about joy, as we see today. The main theme, I would say, in this chapter is to rejoice in knowing Jesus. To rejoice in knowing Jesus. And you see, what's so important about us, the most important thing about us as people is what we believe about God. The most important thing about us as people is what we believe about God. Uh, do you see God as some cosmic killjoy? Do you see him as mainly as just a judge? Do you see him as someone who's just has it out for you? Or do you see him as something different? It's huge. That changes the way we live our lives radically. It radically does. And so we see um, four points, four things that um, God's word has for us right here. And the first one, verse one, is Paul encourages us to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. He says, he writes this. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write you the same things is no trouble for me and safe for you. The same things. The same things. There were people who were stirring up the Philippians, the church there, and saying that they needed to, um, in this case, there were a lot of, 2,000 years ago, a lot of the first Christians were Jews. And Christians were trying to figure out, all right, how do we have this very um, ethnic, one-nation-based religion Though, at the same time, it was open to all people, but God was doing a particular thing with a particular people, the Jewish people, the Hebrews. And a lot of people were trying to tack on some extra things, some ceremonies and rituals from the Old Testament. And this New Testament, this New Covenant, had changed things. And one of those big things for them, these ethnic Jews, was the ritual of circumcision. And for that, it was like, all right, you are... You're part of the people of God, all right? So every male needed to be circumcised, and there was a specific way that that had to be done. And so he's writing to them because he, he wants to encourage them of the gospel, that they don't need circumcision. They don't need some other things to make them holy. They just need Jesus' blood. Just trust and faith in him. And so he's saying, all right, it's no trouble for me. It's safe for you to go deeper in the gospel. And for us as Christians, 
if you've been around the church for a while, you maybe think, man, the gospel is just, man, that's just the ABCs. That's just the basic. That's just, I got that. I'm over that. I don't need to hear any more about that. That couldn't be farther from the truth, though. You see, the gospel, as Tim Keller says really well, he says, is the A through Z of Christianity. The A through Z. It's everything. Everything in the Bible and everything is actually going deeper in the gospel. And so this is what he says. So he's saying rejoice. He wants them to rejoice. And in order for them to rejoice in God, to find joy in him, Man, I know I could use more joy and happiness in my life. Right? And you see, that's what God has for us. That's what God has for his people. For us to be always rejoicing in him. You see, everyone thinks they're all, seeks their happiness. Everyone does. And the only way to really find it is different things make us happy, no doubt. But the foundation of even those other things, that, that's God. That's what's ultimately giving us joy. So that even when all those other things are taken away, uh-huh. still we have everything because we have God. And so he doesn't want them to be distracted by this. And so he wants them to rejoice. And so he's going to unpack for them. All right, this is, this is what is going on. This is what you need to know. All right, so the first one, rejoice in the Lord. And that's an invitation for all of us, and that's a command and an invitation. Find our joy only in Him. It makes me think of um, the, I'm a, I'm a nerd, but um, October 31st, you guys a lot know this, Jimmy's laughing. October 31st is, as you guessed it, Reformation Day. Uh, you guys thought I was going to say Halloween, right? <laughs> yeah, I warned you I was a nerd. No, it's Halloween. But what it stands for, Hallow's Eve, and it's a Reformation Day. And so 500 years ago, um, before I get to that, there was this guy, Martin Luther, right? Many of you know Martin Luther. And uh, I got a little bad joke for you guys. So some kids come up to Martin Luther's door, right? And they knock on the door. Knock, knock. Martin Luther opens it. He says... What do you want? Trick or treat. He says, what? I said 95 feces, not 95 Reese's. Oh, I know, it's bad. (laughs) Just keeping you going. But Luther, right? The church, the Catholic Church was an absolute mess. It was horrible. And what they were saying, namely, was that you got to do all this stuff in order to get right with God. And Luther says, no, we need to go back to the Bible. We need to go back to the gospel of grace. And he says this. He says the justification, we're going to unpack that, that kind of big church word. Justification is the article by which the church stands or falls. It's by what the church stands or falls. And that's true in your life too. And he says that it's by faith in grace, not by our own works by faith through grace that we are saved, that we have a right relationship walking with God. And that's huge. And that's the point that he wants us to rejoice in. Let's unpack that. Paul's going to unpack that. Second thing, reject works righteousness. Reject works righteousness. And Paul here has strong language. 
I love this. Paul's, he's not going to pull his punches. Verse number two, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Whoa. All right, look out for dogs. So dogs weren't, you got, some of you have dogs. We got Layla, Kayla. No, I'm just kidding. Layla, I'm joking, I know. It's just, it was a joke. All right, and um, Jimmy has a dog too. Loves the dog. Barbie. Yeah. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Loves dogs. All right. So the dogs back then, people didn't have pet dogs. Um, they they were they were filthy animals. I mean, think about 2,000 years ago, sanitation system. None of that existed. They were awful. They were flea and disease-ridden. It was it was bad. So Jewish people actually called it was an ethnic slur. They called Gentiles, non-Jews people, that's all of us here, except for Chelsea who's half Jewish, um, dogs. It was an ethnic slur. So Paul takes that up, and that's the background, and he says, you know what? These people, they're trying to get everyone to be circumcised. He's like, you know what? Those guys are the dogs. These Jewish people who are trying to get everyone circumcised, they're the dogs. Watch out for the dogs, for the evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. And you probably get that reference, what he's talking about when he's talking about circumcision. Because these people, he's saying, he's saying, watch out for them because they're trying to say, all right, if you do this, then you'll be right with God. And that, he wants us to completely reject. He wants us to completely reject. For he goes on, he says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, put no confidence in the flesh. So what he's trying to get, so for us, maybe we don't deal with circumcision. For some people in the world today, maybe it's baptism. All right, if I am baptized, then I'm good with God. I got some fire insurance. You know, I, I prayed a prayer once at VBS or whatever, and now I'm good with God. You know, or maybe I go to church. I pray, you know, hey, I'm a pretty good person. Paul says, no, that's, that's not good enough, and that's not how you're good with God. It's through faith in his grace, in Christ's work, not ours. So that's what he's talking about when he says, no confidence in the flesh. You see, Paul's story was, he grew up, he grew up, and he was, he was, he was the best whitewashed guy you'd ever know. And this, he breaks this down right here for us. He says, for I have reason to confidence in the flesh too. He's like, all right, you're boasting in all the stuff that you've done. Let, let me show you how ridiculous it is. So he starts boasting. And he has these seven, eight boasts right here. I'll break this down for us. Verses five and continuing. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. All right, he was circumcised on the, all right, so we did it right according to the law. All right, we did it right. I was of the people of God, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, okay? Of the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin, historically, they had um, not forsaken God, though some of the other tribes had gone away from God at different points. So that's why he's saying that. He's like, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. All right, what does that mean? All right, all right, we know you're Jewish, Paul. You don't, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, not only do I speak... Um, I speak Aramaic. A lot of Jews at the time, they were dispersed everywhere. They lost their national language. 
And so he spoke Aramaic. He spoke Hebrew. And not only that, but his parents did also. They were Aramaic-speaking Jews. So he says, all right, I got you on that too. He says, as to the law, a Pharisee. All right? So that was the, pretty much known for the strictest sect of Judaism at the time. There were a couple main sects, um, one more as well, three, but that was, that was one of the main ones. And he says, all right, that was strict. They were very strict. A Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. All right. He actually, he, he grew up in Antioch, but then he actually was raised in Jerusalem under this guy. He's famous. We see him actually in other biblical sources, uh, Gamaliel. And he was this famous Jewish, uh, basically rabbi, if you will. All right. So he's, he studied under this famous guy. He was his pupil. All right. So he's saying, man, I have, I have the pedigree. I had everything. And Paul, after Jesus was raised from the dead, and his disciples started telling people about him in Jerusalem. Paul was one, if you guys, many of you will remember this, he held the coats for everybody as people were throwing stones to kill Stephen, the first martyr of the Christian church. So this guy also, he would go around and he'd get letters to put men, women, Christians in jail. That's what he did. And you think jail was bad now? It was way worse 2,000 years ago. There are no laws to protect, <laughs> protect a person. There was no food that they'd give you. There was no television, all right? So this was, he was so zealous, so passionate for God that he would do that. He was like, all right, I got you on that too. I was a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, verse six, blameless. All right, so he's saying outwardly, outwardly, I didn't disobey any of the 10 commandments, all right? I didn't obey. I, did, I obeyed all the 666 laws and we see in the Old Testament. Now, if you read Romans 7, for example, if you read his other writings, you'll say, Paul knows he's a big fat sinner. All right? he, he, he knows he actually didn't um, follow the laws in the heart. Far, far from it. He would be the first one to tell you, and actually he does several times in the Bible, he's like, I'm the worst sinner ever. I'm terrible. I persecuted God's church. So, but on the outside, he's saying, I looked really good. I looked really good. Blameless, he says. So he says, all right, here's my pedigree. It's way better than yours. All right? <clears throat> but whatever gain I had, but whatever gain I had. So it's like for you guys who do accounting, you know, you got the gains and losses column. All right? So he's saying, all right, here are all my gains, all right? Pharisee, Hebrew of Hebrews, people of God, man, I persecuted the church, you know, extremist. I mean, he was a fanatic, right? All of that, whatever gain I had, I actually, I put that in the lost column. All that stuff is actually in my lost column now. Whatever I gain, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So he's saying, all right, all this is actually loss, everything. And then we got just one thing over here, Jesus, knowing Jesus. That's in his gains. And he says, I got everything. I have everything right there. That's the only thing that defines me as a person. That's the only way 
that I can be made right with God, my relationship with God. The only way. For his sake, I've suffered everything, the loss of all things. I lost all this. I lost my reputation. I lost my house. I lost my position of going up the ranks of Judaism. I lost everything for him. And I could count them as rubbish. Verse 8. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. All right, I'm going to give you guys some Greek right now. All right, the Greek word for rubbish is skubala. All right? And this word means crap. It means actually another four-letter word. Probably more specifically would be the connotation that you could get. It ends with an S. I mean, it starts with an S, ends with a T. All right? That's probably the better connotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Of what he's saying here. No joke. That's what scholars say. He's saying, like, it's, it's garbage, all right? It's refuse. It's refuse, right? People had, had bedpans, right? Back then, you'd have to take out your business. And that's what he's saying. He's like, I count all this stuff, all my pedigrees, all my self-righteousness as garbage, as nothing, in order that I may gain Christ, be found in him. Not having a righteousness from God that depend, a righteousness, excuse me, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That depends on faith. So he's saying, all right, how do you, how do you gain this? How do you gain Christ? By faith. By faith. Not in your works, but in his works. And this is so huge. You know, that's partly Paul's story. And I'll tell you why this means so much to me too is that I remember honestly I, I'm a recovering Pharisee I'll tell people I was the worst of the worst um, I remember and I went away to college and uh, God changed my life in a huge way many of you know I've, I've shared how I was struggling with I, I've tr- struggled with uh, depression and I had horrible bout of it when I was 17 18 years old went off to college and um, God really met me in a powerful way um, through a number of guys who were on my uh, floor, um, a number of sophomores uh, who uh, took us freshmen in, and we had this, this discipleship group that met even three times a week. Three times a week. And uh, God radically changed my life. Not to go into that more, but, but also later as because of that, you know, I saw so on the dorm floors, I went to a Christian school, uh, actually just Wheaton down, down the road here. And uh, so we have Christians, right, who are going there. We have Christian professors. So we're surrounded by this, right? Wheaton College and, and even the Wheaton the town is kind of knowing as being this sort of Christian evangelical mothership, right? We had chapel three times a week. I got involved in this really passionate church. Man, they, had, they were so passionate for God. I was so attracted to that. They were serious about their faith. Uh, went on some mission trips with them. We went to Mexico. We went to India. We went to Texas right across the border of Mexico because the drug cartels were taking over, and it was whew, crazy. During, uh, during my years in college, I, I was sharing, the, I'd go to a different school 
called to DuPage or North Central, and I'd share the gospel. My friends and I, we'd go and we'd, we'd share the gospel, and I started doing this anywhere from one time a week to even three times a week. I got involved in leading small groups. I, because genuinely I wanted to, to love the Lord and, and focus on Him, I'd fast one or two times a week. There was a, a period for a year or two. I would spend two or three hours in the morning, every morning, every morning, even during finals, spending in prayer, reading God's word, reading the Bible. And I was very genuine and passionate. But I'll tell you what, through, through the teaching and the atmosphere of this church, which was um, in some ways very broken, and my own heart, man, I was the most self-righteous person. I was judgmental of other people. I was always comparing myself to other Christians and other people. And man, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Man, I'm so good. I'm so holy. That did not work out well for me, I'll tell you that. That did not work out well. And so this is why this means so much to me. Because when, when things crash down for me, eventually, when I become broken and this weight, I remember spending time with God one time. Chelsea and I were newly married. And I'm literally like crying and weeping because I have this weight, this burden realized of my self-righteousness. And I have, to, I have to be righteous. I have to spend time with God, even though I'm like, man, I'm so burnt out. I don't even want to be with God. And I'm just weeping and broken. I feel such this weight of I have to earn and prove myself to God. I have to earn and find his approval. And so this whole thing that Paul is talking about means so much to me because it can be so subtle. We're always trying to, to say, all right, this is what defines me. This is what makes me right with God. But that will crush you. And so Paul is saying, reject works righteousness. Reject works righteousness. Number three, remain in faith righteousness. Remain in faith righteousness. And we see this already. We've started to get into it. Verses 7 through 11. He says, all right, I count them rubbish. Christ plus nothing equals everything. Faith, righteousness. So what is it for you? I, I shared a little bit of what it is, what it's been for me, and I need to keep on preaching the gospel to myself every day of that I'm righteous only by cross. Nothing what I do. So maybe it's you, for you, it's, it's your prayer life. Maybe it's your own holiness, your own purity. Oh, I haven't done this like other people. I haven't sinned like that. Maybe it's mission trips that you've gone on. Maybe it's significant things that you've done. Oh, I've done good for the poor. I hear people all the time, I drive for Lyft, and I talk to a lot of uh, non-Christians, and who say, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I haven't murdered anyone. Like, that's a good, like, comparison, even. Oh, did, that, yeah, that's a great baseline. I'm like, that's really far down there. I didn't murder anyone. Right? It's all a comparison. It's all comparison. Oh, I'm a pretty good person. Next to Mother Teresa, though. Eh. What about next to God? What about next to God? Maybe it's your knowledge of the Bible. 
Maybe it's your giving. Maybe it's just your overall, you're a pretty good moral person. And so it's asking ourselves these questions and saying, all right, what do I functionally really trust in? What, what, if, what if that was taken away? What, what am I really trusting in that makes me right with God? Am I right because of what I do or what, what Jesus did for me? And until we come to the end of ourselves, often it's, it's really hard to, to not see that. But Paul just doesn't end there. He says that, as Martin Luther, my friend, says, um, he says, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is not alone. And so we're saved by faith alone, but then that means we actually, man, I love God now. I want to obey him. I want to follow him. And so he unpacks, too, this, this life now that we, that we live. He goes on to this in verses 9 through 11. He says, Found in him not having a righteousness of my own, again, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. All right, that I may know him. That's what our life is about. It's about knowing him. We make life about so many other things, don't we? But is it about knowing him? He says also, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Excuse me. The power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. Man, I want to know that. I want to know the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection that he justifies sinful people. He makes us right with God. And he also helps us to live holy lives. To live holy lives where we reject sin, where we pursue righteousness. That I may share in his sufferings. Share in his sufferings. Man, that's tough. Share in his sufferings. We're supposed to share in his sufferings? And Paul says, man, he's like, you can hear his desire in it. Man, that I would share in the sufferings of Jesus. By sharing the gospel. By just living as Christians. Man, this world is hard. And there's going to be persecution. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be hardship that we have. And then he expands on that further and he says, becoming like him in his death. Becoming like him in his death. So we're not paying for other people's sin. That's what Jesus did. But we become like him that he suffered for righteousness sake. He suffered for the gospel. And he also, what that means is, is that's an internal thing too. Is that we crucify our sinful nature. That we look to change our hearts to love God more. Thank you for me again. <laughs> so we do that. We do that. And then he says, to attain the resurrection of the dead. To attain the resurrection of the dead. So he's been going off. He's not talking about, man, I've got to earn that. I've got to earn. He's like, because he already said, I'm saved. I'm good. But what he's saying is, yes, once saved, always saved. But I've got to continue in that. I've got to continue in that. So, as some people say, it's the cross before the crown. All right, we get the cross in this life, we're going to have the crown in the next. So this life, though, I've got to attain, I've still got to work by his grace. By his grace, I've got to stay. So, how do we rejoice in knowing Christ? Remain in faith righteousness, not in our own works. Last point, reside 
in his work of righteousness, reside in his work of righteousness. And how do we do that? I like how the author of Hebrews writes, we strive to enter his rest. What? We work really, really hard to stay in his rest. To stay in his rest. To stay in it. And how do we do this? Look at verse 12 with me. He says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. All right? Has he been resurrected yet? Is he perfect yet? No! He is far from it. Man. Amen. Hallelujah. Inside, right? Far from it. I know Sandra will help me out. He says, brothers and sisters, do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I'm pressing onward for this goal. It's the picture here of, of a finish line or of a target for archery. He's saying, all right, I'm gonna, I want to I wanna hit it right there. I want to pass the finish line, you know? Like people talk about, this is a marathon race, all right? It's not just a sprint. It's a marathon race. And he, I want, the prize is the fullness of our rewards in heaven. It's Jesus. It's being with him in perfect relationship with him. And he says, all right, how, do you, how more do you do this? He unpacks. He says, in verse 17, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, I've told you now and tell you even with tears. Paul, right, he's in, he's in prison. He's under house arrest in Rome. He's going to be before Emperor Nero. And he says, there are enemies, friends of people that I know, that they're saying, all right, add the circumcision deal. Add something else. They're twisting the gospel. They walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. They're on this self-salvation project. Friends, are you on a self-salvation project? Most people think they're good enough to get into heaven. But if that's true, then Christ died for nothing. Paul has some strong words for these people. He says in verse 19, their end is destruction. So that's final judgment. They worship themselves. That's their belly. Their God is their belly, he says. They're consumed with earthly things instead. They glory in their shame and the works of the flesh and the things that they can do rather than Christ, his work. Not from us, but his work. And he says in verses 20 through 21, citizens of heaven. The Philippians were proud that they were a Roman colony, that they were granted, they didn't have to pay taxes. Can you imagine not have to pay taxes? They're like, man, we're awesome people. He says, no. He says, take glory in that you're citizens of heaven. Christianity is not fire insurance. So imagine this. Do you remember, maybe for some of you, maybe some of you haven't experienced this yet, do you remember a time when you fell in love? You didn't care about anything else. All that mattered was that you were with that person. I remember feeling that with Chelsea. And I'm still very glad I'm with her as well. <clears throat> Time when you, when you fell in love. But when you're falling in love too, man, you're just crazy. You're crazy. Man, this is amazing. You're just a pure joy. Imagine, though, that you are married to this man. You're married to Mr. Law. All right, we'll call him Mr. Law. 
And Mr. Law, he likes things very particular. He'd come home every day at exactly 5 o'clock. And he demands a kiss and dinner on the table. Sounds like maybe some of the 1950s. Anyway. Um, and you always, as his bride, his wife, had to look just so. You had to look perfect. You know that you can never really be real with him. You can never be yourself. You can never, as it were, let your hair down. For all the time that you're with him, you just feel like you're never good enough. In fact, no matter how desperately hard you try, you feel like you're always letting him down. You're trying to gain his approval, though. You're working so hard to be a good wife, you know, that you want to be that. Maybe he'll, he'll like me. Maybe I can get more of his approval this way. But you find yourself, Mr. Law dies. Mr. Law dies. And then Mr. Faith Righteousness shows up. Christ himself. He comes and he sweeps you off your feet. And it, it seems like no matter what you do, he always loves you, no matter your shortcomings. He's always putting your needs before his own. He always takes out the trash. He cleans the bathroom. With him, you still were so very much in touch with your own shortcomings, your own failings and miserableness, but at the same time, you feel so accepted and loved. In fact, that you find yourself changing and becoming a better person, a more loving person because of that. This is what Paul is getting at. And Paul gets this. He talks about this in Romans 7, actually. He says, he says likewise, brothers, you died to the law. You died to the law. And to him you've been raised from the dead in Christ, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we are still living in our flesh and our sinful passions, aroused by the law that were at work in us, they were just fruit. But now you're released from the law. You were married to Mr. Law. Now you're released from that, having died to that which held us captive. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that, um, that we would know that through faith in Christ that we are, we are married to Christ. And all about is about knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus, his love for us. So we pray, God, that we would rejoice in the Lord. That we would reject a righteousness of our own. We would remain in a righteousness found only in you. And we would rest in Christ's work of righteousness for us. And that would bring us such joy. Joy that the world can never take from us. Joy at ups and downs um, have nothing on. Lord, so we... Pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.